This is the DLR Cast, the essential podcast for fans of Diamond David Lee Roth. All right, welcome once again. We are back here at the DLR Cast, the podcast by and for fans of David Lee Roth, by two fans, but not fanboys of Diamond Dave. I'm Steve, along with, as always, my good friend, Darren Palchowitz. Darren, how are you? Yeah, no, fabulous. Yourself there, Steve. <laughs> I'm fantastic, but I'm getting better. So yeah. we got another cool interview here. We had a, uh, the pleasure of talking with a very cool podcaster and big rock fan, among many other things, Chuck Shoot of the Chuck Shoot podcast. Uh, we talked about all sorts of stuff. Yeah, we delved into him as an interviewer, a very prolific interviewer that's spoken to a lot of people that I've spoken to. Also, a couple of people that have been on the DLR cast before. His history with Van Halen and David Lee Roth, whether or not he's the, the, the closest he's gotten to interviewing a Van Halen member. Uh, some of that and, and a lot more, uh, almost an hour chat with him. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. He has talked to he's most of his interviews are are really cool rockers from D. Snyder to uh, uh, Donnie V and Chips Enough from Enough's Enough to geez, he's he's interviewed a ton of people. It was just a couple of time I had to the most recent interview with David Duchovny. He's he covers uh, more than just the rock round, but really super cool guy. To, to talk to. I had a lot of fun. His podcast is definitely a lot of fun. So that's coming up in a second. But first, a couple bits of news and some David Lee Roth DLR band, well, Edom and Smile band sightings or Skyscraper sure. band sighting. I'm listening to Mark Maron's WTF podcast, where the most recent one with Lindsey Buckingham as a guest. And as a Fleetwood Mac fan, I totally dug it. And as a Lindsey fan, I would totally dug it. Mm-hmm. But I'm listening to the end and he's talking about who is in his band that he's hopefully going to get out some tour dates i'm not sure how old this interview is but it is the most recent wtf podcast and he's talking about the band that he's put together for an upcoming solo tour and all of a sudden on keyboards mr brett tuggle yeah brett tuggle has extensive credits yet not really on social media not really out there promoting the fact that he's been working nonstop for 35 years True, true. And of course, also, I know from being a fan and following them on Facebook, Billy Sheehan, one third of the super cool super group, the Winery Dogs, with the incredible Richie Coatson and uh, Mike Portnoy, former Dream Theater drummer extraordinaire. Their band, the Winery Dogs, they have been they got together a couple weeks ago somewhere in the mountains of California, it looked like, judging by Facebook, and laid yeah. down a whole bunch of new tracks for a new album. So we know what we know what Billy Sheehan's been up to. And I know from just following him on Facebook that he's got some seminars and I think he's going to be at the Super Cool Rock and Pod Expo coming up in Nashville. So he's there. I haven't had a chance to dig into what Steve Vai is up to at the moment. And as far as uh, the namesake of this podcast, as usual, we don't know what the hell Dave is doing. Right now, it seems to be yeah. nothing because he's not going out on the road for these revised make make uh, makeup or the, the let's say the the post COVID extension of the Kiss end of the road tour. Yeah, in case uh, you don't remember from a prior episode, I rem- the only reason that I know that he's not doing these Kiss dates is that on one of the message boards, I think it was the Roth Army one, somebody reached out to Dave's business manager, Jerry Leonard, and said, true or false, Dave is doing these dates. And the quote was, David Lee is not doing the dates. So there was never a statement. It's just 
<laughs> you reached out to his accountant and you find out he's not doing the shows. Why would there be a statement? And the whole thing is, too, if you remember when Dave was on that leg of the tour right before COVID shut everything down, he was in all the advertisements. He yeah. was um, so he was part of the, all the announcements and all the billing. And he's not now. So just to assume yeah. if you're going to go see Kiss, you're not going to see Dave open up. But something that you showed me was if you Google something like David Lee Roth tour kiss, it leads to a part of his website, a page that's not linked from the main part of the website, but it's still posted because it's never deleted. So if you click on the wrong thing, you actually see David Lee Roth's tour dates on the kiss tour on his website. Uh, Yeah. Just, uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, so, we could, so we could have a ball speculating and creating false rumors about why Dave isn't on the tour, but we won't do that. However, I would think that it could be just possibly one of two reasons. One, Kiss said, this is it. We don't need an opening act. Why take any of the gate proceeds uh, from us, right? Yeah. You know, pay guarantees, whatever, whatever it costs to have Dave out. Or... Dave might have just said, fuck it, this COVID shit is crazy. I'm in a high-risk category, even though I'm in fantastic shape. It's not worth it. We don't know what it is, so we don't know what's happening there. We don't know what the cryptic tweets about coming soon and new material. Don't know what those are giving us. Right. Will there be a a follow-up single to Giddy Up? Will there be another extensive interview like the Joe Rogan thing? We don't know anything. I mean, I mean, think of it. What would be the next podcast Dave could show up in in, in 98 degree weather wearing a full uh, full wool jumpsuit or whatever the hell he was wearing on Rogan a couple yeah. months back, a couple months back? Definitely too soon for a Mark Marin return. My money, if, if we were to improvise a betting pool right now, I would say he would be on a Bill Simmons podcast of some magnitude. Wow. Because, you know, he's one of the kings of podcasting. Bill Simmons seems like he'd be a big Van Halen fan to begin with. If it wasn't him, my second pick would be on that Dave Chappelle paid podcast thing because Letterman did a surprise appearance on that. I have not checked out the Dave Chappelle paid podcast, probably because it's a you have to pay for it. But. It's a podcast. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then my third pick would be, you have to say, who is the most EDM-centric, influencer-tastic podcaster with the best numbers that you and I have never heard of? And it's going to be... Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, remember, it just all kind of blends in, but was it last year when he did the the sci-fi semi-animated graphic, digital graphic novel, right? The Roth Project. Right. I mean, I know he talked about it, what little press it was, but that would have been a great opportunity for some him to show up on some dystopian, uh, some dystopian comic book sort of related podcast that you know is out there, right? Yeah. Hey, uh, maybe we should put in a a bid to be his publicist and book him on the shows. How do you think that'll go over? Uh, about probably we might stand as good of a chance as that happening. We might only stand a slightly better chance of making sure Dave knows that he's got an open invitation, of course, to show up here on the DLR cast. If we even get in any questions edgewise, you can be sure they're going to be questions that 
aren't asked anywhere else. Yeah, and besides this great interview with Chuck, rest assured there are outgoing inquiries related to people who've played with Dave, people who are diehards of Dave, and peers of Dave. Uh, with us, you know that something is coming soon. You you are going to get another episode within the next, you know, seven to fourteen days. That that we can promise, and we'll do our best not to have the same intro where we go. Mm, so he's not on tour with Kiss, right? No new music until there is. Hey, we've been on a good roll. I'm pr- we. Hey, guess what? I mean, we don't pay too much attention to anniversaries because Lord knows everyone else does, which gets yeah. a little bit tiring. Uh, but and no offense on anybody else, it's always a good news uh, news point, I guess. But we just passed an anniversary, a year a year's worth of doing this show. Yeah. So happy anniversary there. There you go. Yeah, they they said it would never let. Well, no, no one said no. anything like that. But, I, uh, I gave a, <laughs> I I gave about thirty seconds thought of trying to put together an uh trying to put together a very special anniversary best of episode, but. After a year is kind of pretentious. It is a summertime, and that would take up too much freaking time. I mean, I'm not, I'm rudimentary at best at this stuff. <laughs> I think you're a lot better than you are declaring yourself to be, but whatever it is, it is still fun doing this show. The feedback we get is tremendous. Uh, an interview like Frank Meyer, that only happened because listeners of our show said, hey, you should talk to Frank Meyer. And those turned out to be some of our best episodes. Yet so, hey, without you folks listening, there is no DLR cast, arguably. Absolutely. And we got a fun interview upcoming right after this with Chuck Shoot of the Chuck Shoot podcast. And we should mention, too, if if you've got tips or info or Dave sightings or know somebody cool that would be on the, want to be on the podcast, uh, reach out to us at the DLR cast at Outlook.com. And if you don't, we're just going to have to do that special episode about Sonrisa Salvaje. So that's your incentive to keep giving us good leads and content. Next up, a very special episode. And then after that, you know what's coming next? The Steve talks about your filthy little mouth for four hours episode and the no big ting. As I... As I break down your your cheating heart cafe and no big thing, this is this is giving me a complex because I really do like that record. It's always been out of all of Dave's catalog. It's a missed it. That one is just the one that was a, it's still kind of a bit of a mystery to me, just in in sound and production. And it's just yeah. almost there. It just doesn't quite shift into overdrive as far as most of those songs. But I do love it. I mean, I listen to that one all the time. So. Yeah, Stylistically, well, I, he took some chances, and I like that. I was taking a ride back from Manhattan, had the headphones on. Big Train came on when I had everything on random. I went, you know what? That's a great song. Wait, that's on your filthy middle. Your filthy yeah. Little. You know what? That's not a bad album. I need to just dig back. Exactly. Everybody's got in his gray. She, Okay. Yeah, everybody's got the monkey. The first three songs are like bam, bam, bam. I can remember, and you said you saw this in the Las Vegas show, and then when he went yeah. out on the road with Kiss, my jaw hit the floor when he when he did Big Train. I mean, to pull out some obscure for to ninety nine percent of the people there an obscure song from his catalog. Yeah. I mean, to pull that one out, I and I mean, why not Sensible Shoes? Why right? why not stand up or something that maybe people would have a better chance of recognizing, but nope. He said, damn it. I love this song. We're going to do big train and it works. It's a great live song. 
it works, still sounds great. And you don't hear that song go, man, holy 1994, Batman. You just go, oh, cool Dave song. Yeah, sounds like a great song. And that's exactly what it is. So, all right. As always, great to see you, my friend. And thank you, everyone, for downloading and streaming and making this podcast as much fun as it is. Yes. And if you like this episode, tell Chuck publicly that you love this episode. Because, yeah. Fo- yeah. Yeah. Follow because- him on Facebook. He's on all the socials. Chuck Shoot, S-H-U-T-E. It'll be in the show notes. There you go. Otherwise, thanks for listening and looking forward to the next one. Steve and I are joined by a great interviewer, somebody I've been listening to for a long time. Well, thank you. Is Chuck. Chuck, how are you doing today? I'm doing amazing. Yeah, I just had a great interview yesterday and uh, I'm just I'm loving life right now. So thank you. That's so it's a compliment that you listen. I I listened to a few of your shows as well. And uh, I liked what I heard. Well, thank you. You're one of those people that when if I were to look through all the episodes of your podcast and the dates, then we'd be like, oh, okay, Chuck and I spoke with that person that day and that day and that day. You know, I look through it and I go, okay, well, that's uh, that's Wendy's client. Uh, that's Amanda's client. I kind of do oh, that. That's funny. Where you yeah, really when they do these PR blitzes and yeah. then you're just like, it's like a cattle call sometimes. And so then you try to stand out and you're like, well, how do I stand out? This guy's doing like 20 interviews a day. Why, why is mine going to be better? Yeah, so I look through it and I say, oh, Stephen Piercy. Okay, Chuck is also speaking with him. Okay, Tony Harnell. Chuck is also speaking with him and all that. So a thing that makes you different, though, is while I just named some people that are synonymous with the 80s and early 90s music scene, in your case, you also speak with athletes. You also speak with comics. You're all over the place. Do you also Mm -hmm. have the wrestling gene or is that where you draw the line? You're not a wrestling guy. You know, I, I, yeah, I was never a big wrestling guy. I mean, I'm I'll be honest, there's a couple that I've uh, reached out to just because I think they're interesting people that have kind of have forays into other uh, fields as well. But uh, sure. yeah, my brother was really into wrestling. So, you know, I, I heard him talk about he was really into, like when the Stone Cold Steve Austin era was going on. He was really into it then. So I remember seeing stuff back then and, and learning through him. And, and I definitely watched some of it. But yeah, for, I think the, the thing that annoyed me about that era and then probably now, too, is there was so much drama and talk. And not just, you know, the elbow drops and the actual wrestling. Darren and I joke around a lot that there's, and this is no secret, but there's always this incredible crossover to, you know, between wrestling and rock and roll. And I always say we're the DLR cast. We're huge fans of David Lee Roth. It all started for me with wrestling, really, because I saw guys in great shape flying through the air in tie-dye tights and stuff when I was a kid. And then I hit high school. And here's David Lee Roth, right? And I'm just getting into music coming out of wrestling. And there's this connection in my head. Yeah. I mean, God forbid, had I gotten if there was jam bands that were really big in the late to mid 80s, I don't have the uh, the early to mid 80s. I don't have the attention span anyway. But if I saw a bunch of guys staring at their shoes dressed in denim, we wouldn't be here today. (laughs) Yeah, they were they were characters. They were larger than life, just like David Lee Roth. I mean, exactly. Just that voice like this, you know, just really like it draws your attention. For sure. And same with same with Kiss and a lot of those bands and the glam bands. It oh was yeah. Just, kind of that evolution as you get older, right? You start with cartoons, then it was wrestling. For me, some people say it was cartoons and wrestling. Just you know, late seventies, early eighties, just same time, rock and roll was just totally blowing up, especially in metal. I know you have a lot of great interviews on your podcast with a lot of different metal guys. I see John Karabi, who I absolutely love. Yes. 
there. So to me, it was just this great, I keep saying evolution, but it kind of is all interconnected there. The big colors, the big sound, the big rock. It's uh, entertainment. Yeah, it's entertaining yeah. for sure. Smarter, always smarter than people think than, you know, uh, yeah. uh, than the kind of just the mainstream people think. There's just, you know, it's not a bunch of dummies on stage or, or, or uh, in the ring, so to speak. Have you ever seen that movie? I'm sure you guys saw The Wrestler with Mickey Rourke. Oh, That's a great okay. movie. I saw it for the fifth time, like about three weeks ago. Just, I'm, you know, got nothing going on one night. And I'm like, just popped in my head like, oh yeah. And I'm always reminded because there's that scene where they're dancing around and round. And, you know, he comes, yeah. he come. his ring music was, uh, oh God, I can't remember what it was. The whole 80s. soundtrack is amazing. Yeah, oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. And so it it's scored by Slash, which, you know, keeps it all on the, the big. It was? Oh, I don't think really? I knew that. Now, Bruce Springsteen did the closing credits theme song, but I'm pretty darn okay. sure that the guitar stuff, the Spanish guitar acoustic kind of stuff was Slash in The Wrestler. So you never know who has that wrestling overlap and who doesn't. I remember when David Lee Roth was on the Stone Cold Steve Austin podcast four or five years ago. Roth does not fanboy out at anybody, but he made it apparent that he knew who Steve Austin was and that he was a fan. That's awesome. Yeah. And then Chris Jericho, he has a podcast and he it, does metal as well. So that's another big crossover. I've listened to a lot of his episodes. He's got a great podcast. Oh, he does. Yeah. He's, he's brought up bands that I thought I may have been the only person. Well, now you're not the only person, but you know, these Canadian bands, different people. I'm like, oh, oh God, yeah, I love Kickaxe. I loved Helix or whoever, you know, cause he's Canadian and he would mention yeah, these shows right. that he went to go see. And I'm like, man, that never came to the States. I wish I saw it, you know? Good well, point. Chuck, in your case, who was the first interview putting you on the spot? Who was the first person you interviewed? The first, the very first person I interviewed was a comedian, uh, Anthony Davis, that I just thought he came to a local comedy club. And uh, I had interviewed a couple other comedians on another show I did. And I was branching out and I was like, I'm going to start doing more uh, just a just interview show. And so that was the first one where I was like, I don't think this is good for my other show. This will be good for just an in-depth interview. And I don't think he had done a lot of interviews. And I think he kind of started off, you know, just like, as my girlfriend says, like, he, I think he was kind of maybe almost like annoyed, like, uh, here. and then like, he saw that I was like, I was serious and I had done research and I had, you know, really prepped for this. And then he's like, wow, okay. This guy like is really trying to do a good interview. And so I think I won him over in the end of the interview. And then my second one after that was Marcus Scott from the drummer of trickster. And that was a, that was a bigger one. That was a little, I was more intimidated and scared. I'm like, this guy's like a rock star, you know, he's toured with, uh, kiss and uh, uh, scorpions and stuff. And he's, you know, and so that was, a, that was a little more scary. So you're one of the few people that's interviewed Mark Gus Scott from trickster and Steve Brown from trickster. You've got in both camps. And PJ Farley. <laughs> I just haven't interviewed uh, Pete. I don't know that he does interviews, but he lives in Phoenix. So same as me. And whose band did PJ Farley from trickster join within the last six months? Uh, Chris Jericho's Fozzie. He did. So you see, yeah. it all comes back to wrestling. It all comes back. That's right. <laughs> all right. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, for you, uh, don't feel worried about giving us the most cred or indie answer ever. But where did the Van Halen fandom start? Which era first hooked you into the group? Yeah. So I mean, when I was a, when I was a kid, obviously I grew up and and probably heard the songs on the radio and just, you know, you know, jump and all those kinds of things. And, but I didn't really get into rock until about 92. Um, and so then I kind of went backwards. I feel like, I think I might've, um, 
maybe the the can we swear on this yeah sure yeah the fuck album so there are four yeah. unlawful carnal knowledge i yeah. think that might have been one of the first ones that i got into the to, to with van halen and then i kind of went backwards and then i i started getting into all this like 80s rock stuff uh, after 92 and, and i was growing up in seattle by the way so grunge all my friends were into grunge and i'm like i'm like deep doing these deep dives into uh, the 80s rock with trickster and and uh you know danger danger and all this stuff but yeah. i remember getting the first like van halen van halen one that was my first roth uh, album that i listened to and even eruption back in the 90s it's still boom i was like what the hell is this like this is this is crazy even at that point where you know that had kind of been copied so much since then but it still blows me away even to this day that guitar work is insane that whole album is great and then if you obviously watch david lee roth and the whole band perform how amazing they you know energetic again like the wrestling just so into the show and so entertaining yeah so that's where it started and then what's as an interviewer the closest that you ever got to a van halen member or like a one degree remove thing like for example do you have a gary sharon interview credit i do not no i mean i i would say you know i've definitely had people that uh a lot of people on will tell me van halen stories like i remember dave fortman from ugly kid joe uh, they toured with Van Halen. He's like, yeah, it was so weird. Like I go into the dressing room and Eddie Van Halen would be like playing, uh, playing songs on his guitar and his tidy whiteies. <laughs> I was just like, what? That is just such a weird image. And he's like, ah, oh, come on in, man. Like he was so laid back. And so you hear those stories and it's like so cool. And then I would say probably the closest though is maybe Stephen Piercy because Stephen Piercy was a neighbor of Eddie Van Halen. And so they would go over to each other's house a lot and stuff. And, uh, I think Eddie Van, Eddie Van Halen, there's a story like it. I don't know if you read Stephen Piercy's book. I do. Oh, yeah. God, that was so great. It was so fast. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of yeah. like, it's, it's similar to the dirt in some ways. It's like even crazier than the dirt. But he said like Eddie Van Halen would come over to his house and be like, hey, can you, can I hide this like liquor in your, in your garage? Like I'm hiding it from my old lady and stuff. <laughs> you like, know, how surreal that must've been. It's, it's funny you mention that because we talk about this a lot, you know, as far as peers and people came up, who came up with Van Halen and the Pierce book reminded me that, you know, rat broke in 84, but they were gigging around the same places and were coming up the same time. Mm -hmm. Well, Pierce was in different bands and he knew, you know, the same time Van Halen was, I mean, they were, you know, they yeah. were a few years away from breaking same with like a George Lynch, you know, you put these and and a lot of those folks were either influenced, saw them or were a lot of times on the same bills with those guys. And it's just, you know, I don't think a lot of people really know that until you start reading these sorts of books. I mean, it was a good reminder for me with Pierce. It was like, oh yeah, my God, the whole, the, the liquor thing, you know, and partying yeah. with Roth and all that stuff. It's yeah. I think his first introduction, he met Roth before Van Halen. He was more interested in Van Halen because Stephen Piercy, I know he's a singer rap, but I guess he started out as a guitar player. Yeah. And right. uh, so he wanted to meet Van Halen and then Eddie, and then he, but he met Roth first. And I think they smoked a joint together or something like that's kind yeah. of a cool story. Yeah. So Piercy was around much before much. He's not an eighties guy. That's what I'm trying to, to, to say. People pay, yeah. but he started mm -hmm. in the seventies. And of course, Rad did have success into the early nineties. And you can argue if a band is still touring the world, they're still successful. So he's one of those long-term guys, but George Lynch, especially, I mean, not everybody realizes that George Lynch 
closely had the uh, he was close to being Ozzy's guitarist twice. I think that's talked about in that new book, Nothing But a Good Time. Oh, he was I like know. the yeah. runner up against Randy Rhodes the first time. And then he was the runner up against Jake, or was he the runner up against Brad Gillis? I think it's crazy that uh, I had yeah. Mark Torian from the Bullet Boys on, the singer of the Bullet Boys, but he was actually Ozzy's guitar player for like a week or something crazy yeah. like that. That's and, a weird one too. And Mark Torian and the Bullet Boys were produced by Ted Templeman, who did the first, you know, six yeah. albums. So it's just this orbit of people that even if you can't get a member of Van Halen in an interview, you could still get one degree removed and still they know everything that was going on. Oh, yeah, for sure. I feel like I, I could probably get Michael Anthony at some point. I think that I've seen him do other shows that I'm like, I, I think I, I'm as good as this show that he's doing. So, you know, you just kind of have that thought that this is a possibility at some point in a few years, maybe. Oh, not a few years. Uh, you you, you get see? over to that hot sauce company right now and you talk to Mikey and then you tell us everything that you spoke about with <laughs> no, have I you interviewed him? I have not interviewed him. Um, I was supposed to interview Hagar a few times. I would say uh, usually I don't come public with this kind of stuff, but I think I've been through six different publicists with Sammy Hagar of, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to talk to Sammy. We're going to make it happen. You're going to hear from us next week. And then it doesn't. I'm going <sighs> to say there was two different tequila publicists, like a restaurant publicist. Oh my God. A publicist. So some of these people you really do have to chase down and then calendar it for three months later and again and again and again. Gary Sharon, he, you know, it's surprising for somebody who's been as successful as him, how open and willing he is to do interviews. Like he doesn't seem like he's that burned mm -hmm. or afraid of doing interviews. Yeah. No, it's funny. So talking about Sammy, like you're talking about the Sammy Hager and the connections. This is a funny story. So I was in Reno, like, God, this was like, it had to have been like 12 years ago or something. And we go to his Cabo Wabo cantina. Mm -hmm. And so I jokingly asked the waitress, I'm like, oh, is Sammy working today? I'd love to chat with him. And they're like, uh, no, but his son is here. Let me go get him. And I was like, oh, no, I was just kidding. Like, what? Like, and his son comes out, Aaron Hagar. Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever talked with him or, or had any uh, interactions, but man, he is a great storyteller. And we talked to him for like hours. He bought us all these shots and we closed down the restaurant with him. He was just telling us all these stories. And he's such an interesting guy because he doesn't drink at all. He, he, he like went the opposite, right? You know, like you, re you rebel against your parents. So he's like not into, he doesn't do any drugs or any booze, but a really interesting guy, interesting storyteller. I, I don't know. I never interviewed him, but there was an episode on Sammy's travel show on Access TV I forget, Steve, do you remember what it was called? Sammy's show? It was like Sammy's travel. Yes, I saw that. Road trip or something. On like Access or something. Yeah, I remember he brought uh, Sammy did a thing from Reno or Lake Tahoe, whatever, wherever he was. And he brought his son there. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's his son. He looks younger than his son. But, but yeah, because I think he probably dyes his hair and stuff. And his son just is like, I'm going gray. Fuck it. Yeah. And he seemed like a really nice guy. And I didn't, I read Sammy's book. I know you did too, Steve, but I forgot about that first son. I'm used to hearing about the son from the second marriage who has a band who was supposed to open for Sammy's tour, like two summers ago. I, sorry. I was going to say what the Sammy thing. I was just, you guys just reminded me because I forgot 
about Aaron Hagar because I know one of the many stories, this just came up because it was yet another Van Halen reunion anniversary. I think it was right. The yeah. 2004, you saw on a lot of website stuff. And, and um, I know one of the things when they broke up, but they want to do more work or something. Sammy was like, Hey, I just got a new, I, I got, I have a new baby, you know? And it's like, wait a minute. Oh, well, hold, you know, <laughs> I mean, Sammy to me is like preternaturally young almost. Right. But he's yeah. been, yeah. he's been kicking around forever too. The, the closest I can come to the story that you just had, Chuck, was I was in this, I was on this press trip in Cabo. And when you do these press trips, or at least pre-COVID, like they fly you out to a resort, sometimes the city does, sometimes the resort does, and you have to have all these group meals. So if you're in a group of 10 to 15 people, you're an inevi inevitably going to sit with everybody at some point, And your small talk game has to be super good. Or if you offend somebody at that first meal, the rest of that trip is awkward. So <laughs> I made a joke at the first meal in, at this Cabo resort about like, yeah, we're just here for Sammy Hagar. And then the like the fiance or the bride like, got a little quiet and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, her dad's Sammy's business partner in the Cabo Lava Canteen. <laughs> like, oh, Oh, okay. And I looked up and it was totally true. And then when you talk to everybody in Cabo, everyone loves Sammy. Like, you don't find one person that doesn't say, you know how much he's done for this area? You know, it's just full of stories. I wonder if it's up there like that and up there in Reno too. I'm sure. Yeah. Who doesn't like Sammy? I mean, even him and David Lee Roth toured together and they were, they were kind of friends or whatever. No. <laughs> Right or no, I know, but he he threw some shade at David Lee Roth recently. I, I thought I saw something in the news like he said David Lee Roth doesn't look good or something like that. He, Steve, did you see that interview? Was it? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was relatively recently. It was bizarre. He was like, I don't know. It was. We talked about this. It was like I don't even know the guy. And then the same breath that was like, you know, he seems like a real empty guy. He's a clown and da da. You know, it's just. It was all. You know, if. With at least once a year, there's some shade being thrown there. And and uh, I can't even remember, you know, there's so many different anniversaries that websites and blogs come up with. I can't, you know, it's the 33rd anniversary of their third record. It's like, what? And so it's, but I know there was some Van Halen, some sort of uh, that came up that why, um, or something where Sammy was in the news, right? Recently about talking about, about six weeks ago or something, there was a big quote about Dave that went everywhere. And clearly it yeah. didn't register fully with me, but my brain is kind of full anyway. But um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, the dream was when I remember seeing that tour and all the announcements, like, holy shit, they're doing a press conference together, right? Because there again, that was kind of like wrestling, right? You had the two, oh, yeah. the two guys, you know, yeah. who were feuding for years. And then all of a sudden they come together and yet it was... I mean, Dave was pretty infamous for never coming out of his bus on that thing. You know, Sammy would have been happy. Hey, you know, come up on stage. And Michael was in his band. Yeah. And he never, you know, as much as we love Dave, it's like, to me, it was always like, dude, come on. That would have been fucking great. You know, I mean, I just go back and well, forth. They never sang together on. I, I know. They, right. Exactly. They, it was. So they, okay, there was never like a, a duet at the end or something crazy and like you, that. And you know what? If you work it out, it didn't have cool. to be a Van Halen store, a Van Halen song. I don't know if I'd want them trading, trading uh, on trading vocals on like Panama or Pound Cake or something, but yeah. a cool cover, a cool cover song that they both probably did back in the day, you know, mm. with, with the sad passing of Dusty Hill's Easy Tops basis. Ooh, yeah. I saw the other day, I saw a YouTube link of, of, um, 
uh, in the audio of it of Van Halen back in the day doing uh, doing Lagrange. Yeah, and oh, that would have been cool. It's killer. Go find it on YouTube. I mean, it's yeah. and just to hear Eddie's riffs in that opening, you know, just perfect, just fantastic. And and that I guarantee you, Sammy, sometime coming up, probably did way back when that you know those bands not only crossed paths back when, yeah. But I mean, Sammy was in Montrose. I mean, I guarantee you they could have gone, hey, you covered that, so did I. You know what I mean? It could have yeah. been a cool meeting of. I great think, rockers but alas it never happened and never will happen i think sammy is a billy gibbons guy they're they're in that one degree from matt sorum world <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah kings of chaos yeah, yeah I, matt I, I, matt plays with billy on his solo tours his last album and stuff his solo album yeah i think that's all there but in the case of sammy that rock and roll road trip show had a lot of gigs where it was just Sammy bringing people on stage and doing duets with them. We saw Vince Neil once or twice. He brought up um, to do girls, girls, girls with Vince Neil. He brought up Kevin Cronin from Ario Speedwagon. And I think he was trying to get Eddie money, but Eddie was sick at the time, so he couldn't do that. But oh. Sammy's no stranger of, hey, come on up here, I'll share the stage. So if anyone could guide Roth through it, it would be Sammy. Yeah, no, that that's, I think, um, so my brother, his his wife's sister is married to the singer of Train. And so oh, I see him occasionally. Wow. Yeah, and I think he did the same thing with, I think I saw a thing with Pat Monahan and Sammy Hagar and they got up and sang something together. So yeah, he's a really good singer too. Could do old uh, old school Led Zeppelin, amazing. Yeah, there was something on YouTube about that's right. right? And it's a couple months ago and I was like, whoa, that guy's got some pipes. I had no idea that they did it. There was a YouTube cover, uh, Zeppelin cover out there. That was oh yeah. They did a whole album of, uh, I think the Led Zeppelin two, and it's like spot on. Yeah. Well, oh. Hey, Jason Bonham was his drummer on and off the last 20 years. So I guess he had to have been a Zeppelin fan to begin with, of course, Jason oh, yeah. being a great drummer, but, but let, let's uh-huh. shift it back to, to Chuck here. Okay. Um, <laughs> so Chuck, you just lost all your viewers. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Uh, great interviewer yet again. Please Thank listen you. to Chuck stuff. Please, you know, et cetera, shill, shill, shill. How much research do you have to do versus how much do you actually know outright? That I that, can't tell. That is a great question. Yeah, I, I like you look at a guy. I was just thinking about this today because I was thinking about Eddie Trunk and I was thinking about how like he just knows all that shit. Like he, that's what he studies for years and, and decades. And, and then he worked in the record business. Uh, was it Napalm Records or one of those uh, record companies? Megaforce. Megaforce, sorry, Megaforce. And uh, yeah, he just, that's like literally all he does is read all that shit and reads all the liner notes and stuff. Um, I mean, I, I there's some of that for me, but I have so many other interests. I mean, as you can see from my back wall, like sports and movies and TV and stuff. So I do know a lot. But um, if I'm interviewing a guest, I mean, I do a deep dive and I, I try to find out as much as I can about that guest. And especially if I can find more obscure things that people don't already know about or isn't like talked about a lot, I think that's more interesting. And then I just try to take the most interesting things. Like if, it, if I'm kind of shocked about it, then I know that my audience is. Because I, I know I have a general idea about most of the people I interview at least. And so if I find something that surprises me, I know my audience will enjoy it as well. Well, that's one of the things, and not to completely suck up here, but as I discovered your <laughs> pod, podcast the last um, couple of weeks when we scheduled this, first off, I mean, just the amount of artists you on, have on that I absolutely love from uh, 
you know, you got half of one of my favorite bands in the world. Well, they're not really together anymore. Enough's enough between Chips yeah. and Johnny V. Anybody who thinks that they, you know, that they're, if you think, ah, oh, they're a glam band, shut the fuck up because they're an amazing power pop band. Right. Are none. Uh, you got Jizzy Pearl, who I remember way back in the day working a love hate record in my record business days, going, this is the greatest record of all. This should be huge. And unfortunately, it wasn't. And then he sang with everybody. And so I've listened to a couple of the podcasts and you got so many people and it is readily apparent. And I've seen it in some of the reviews, man, you do your research. And I know that takes, that takes a lot of time, even if you know the subject matter. I, you know, there's nothing worse for me than than reading it. And I try not to do this, obviously. And I know Darren too. But, uh, but how many times have you heard read an interview? You're all excited by maybe a favorite artist or whatever. And it's the questions that you have asked a hundred times. Like I'm a big Cheap Trick fan. If I see one more interview where Rick Nielsen's asked about how many guitars he has, I'm gonna throw my laptop out of the freaking window. You know what I mean? It's right. like. It, it's so does that so I mean the research informs your questions, correct? I mean, you're gonna think of something else and go, hey, yes. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's just like, what do I want to know? Like, I want to make a show that I would want to listen to. Cause I think there's a lot of podcasts going out there and many are really good. Um, but then there's some where I just go, sometimes I kind of think like, I think this person is just kind of trying to do like a meet and greet. And they're just like, you know what I mean? Like, which in a way, I think we all kind of are, of course, we want to like talk to this like rock star or famous person, but um, you got to really make, try to make a good show that people want to listen to as well. You can't, um, you know, just, uh, you know, think of stuff off, off the top of your head. I try to like go in prepped. And then obviously if, if they bring something up that I wasn't aware of, then I want to you know, follow that down, follow them down that rabbit hole. Right. You don't want to go all Chris Farley and Saturday Night Live on them, right? You I know? just, that's so funny you mentioned that. I literally just watched a clip of the Chris Farley show and just the Jeff Daniels one. And oh God, that's so classic. You remember that? Remember that time when you yeah. remember that? That was cool. Yeah. Right. <laughs> He's just so likable in that though. It's like, hilarious. oh yeah. Yeah. What you're saying about in, in defense of yours truly right here. Um, sometimes you do have to to appease the publicist, ask a couple of the generic questions, like they feed you those questions and, or you have to ask about the new album. And then after uh -huh. you get that four or five minutes out of the way, then you go to ask them about the Spanish version of Edom and Smile or uh, <laughs> whatever the equivalent is. I, I like to work some of that stuff in. So for example, if you're talking to Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick, you ask him about being in the scene in the Fat Boys movie Disorderlies, you try and work <laughs> that in there and hope you don't get hung up on. Yeah. So. So, some strange left field thing like that, right? Yeah, or like, but something that's like that's that's interesting because uh, he probably hasn't been in a lot of movies, so that's definitely you know something that and people love movies, so I think that's I didn't know that I've, I haven't seen I don't know if I've even seen that movie. Have you ever seen that scene, Steve? Oh God, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in fact, on kind of a related thing, it's amazing what comes up on YouTube, right? But today something popped up, and because you know, the YouTube algorithms, like this guy looks up a lot of cheap trick stuff and glam stuff and whatever, you know, with the occasional, yeah. you know, wrestling sidebar or some weird Roddy Dangerfield clip. And I won't even go down my YouTube watching rabbit hole, but you know, what popped up was, do you remember the Drew Carey show when they were going to have a band and in one scene, they're auditioning guitar players and it starts with slash Dave Mustaine of Megadeth, Joey Ramone, Rick Nielsen, um, Johnny Lang, is up there like Johnny? We just wanted you to come over here to mow the lawn. He's like, 
Uh, and so they all play like a little riff. It's like, no, nah, you're too, you know, and Dave Mustaine like just throws all these riffs like, hey, 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 you don't have to be nervous. Slow down, man. And that's final. Just look up Drew Carey guitar. Well, I don't even know. It somehow it popped up. And then the one they pick is uh, the last guy is Joe Walsh. <laughs> And, and they're like you got the gig and it's just you know i love seeing whenever you see you know, we always joke about this like they're just like us rock stars in different you know different settings right it's kind of cool and i would imagine asking about them might be the last thing they expect asking asking about those weird offstage sort of things might be the last thing they would expect yeah if i ever speak to slash i I'm going to think about what are the most obscure things that he played on. I, I know the the actor that played Malachi in Children of the Corn, uh, Courtney Gaines. He and Matt Sorum played on some demo because of a like a friendship, a family friendship kind of thing. And oh. so you have to imagine if he did that for that, there has to be a lot of, hey, Slash, would you play on this? And it didn't get it added into All Music Guide or Wikipedia. So I think sometimes you need that YouTube wormhole to, to find yeah. out. Like, like Chuck, we, we've talked about in recent weeks, more and more David Lee Roth stuff pops up, like him with the college marching band. When was that, Steve? Was that like 85? Yeah, like it's a, uh, 84, 84. I think he was still in Van Halen, right? Maybe 84, 85, somewhere on there. And and he popped up in like the Midwest somewhere. Was the University oh. of Kansas or something like that with like the high school, the college marching band, this packed stadium. And it's just like, <laughs> what the hell? I had no idea. Wait, well, didn't he do an album with John Five that was never released? Ah, yes, he did. As a matter of fact, yeah, that's where two of the most recent songs that just popped up out of nowhere, that uh, Sunset Bar and Grill song that was kind of a tribute to Eddie, even though it was written ages before that he put on the website after Eddie died. Yeah. And it was on Spotify and everything else. And then this most recent was a giddy up, I think it was giddy called. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's so it's it sounds very it's it's not a rock. It's not a hard rock record, but that's been in the can for a long time. And of course, it's it's always a mystery as far as what he's going to do next. I mean, the time of this podcast comes out, Dave, Dave might not do anything, might put up three pieces of artwork or this album. Who the hell knows? You know, <laughs> or, is, is there any other artist you can really say that about? I'm putting you both on the spot here. You know, we know, OK, it's another calendar year. We're going to get another Cheap Trick studio album. Uh, we, we know certain artists this is what they're going to do. And is there any artist besides Dave in the classic rock realm that you don't know what they're going to do next or when they're going to do it? Hmm. You know, that's tough. That's probably tough to come up with because everybody else has got publicist galore and kind of, you know, there's a, some sort of ramp up. There's a lead in, right. There's a single before an album. There's a, all of a sudden a bunch of interviews, all of a sudden, you know, all around. I mean, whether somebody's written a book or there's a new barbecue sauce or whatever, you know, even yeah. if it's non-musical stuff with Dave, all of a sudden it's just like ink the original tattoo. Holy shit. He's everywhere. And then it just completely disappears. You know, it's like, it's yeah. just every, everything is kind of, that's interesting marketing, I guess, for lack of marketing, right. Just surprise. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious about guns and roses. If, if there you go, that yeah. camp is so quiet. I mean, you just, you hear that they're working on music or the, I mean, you, I've been hearing that for years and that the, you know, the other band before they reunited, the old band had, had heard, you know, things that Axel was playing with them and they were blown away. Like he just would, 
you know, play some crazy thing on the piano and they're like, Oh my God. And Hey, it's just something I'm uh, working on fiddling with or whatever. And so I'm sure there's music that Axel has written, but when it, and when, and if it will ever get released, I mean, that's a total mystery. I would, I would say maybe ACDC is another one that camp is notoriously tight. Right. I mean, yeah. you know, it was only thanks to like paparazzi spy photos of like brian johnson and phil rudd smoking a cigarette at a studio and you know uh uh yeah vancouver where they're recording what ended up being the record that came out last fall it's like holy shit they're back what brian johnson's back you know and that just Mm -hmm. and they wouldn't confirm or deny anything you would and all of a sudden back when last october out of nowhere there's just a little 30 second teaser video not even it's like with that guitar it's like Okay, here it comes. Get ready. You know? <laughs> there was no other announcements or nothing. They so, didn't need to. They don't need no, to. They no. just go, uh, we're there ACDC. Like, here you go. Like, exactly. I mean, they could literally just put out a pile of shit and people would be like, oh my God, it's ACDC <laughs> shit. I got to buy it. Like, amazing. Yeah. And I don't think, if I've read correctly, ACDC doesn't have a manager or a publicist. You, they have hmm. technically somebody administer, administrating the publishing. They have a lawyer. And otherwise, you don't hear back, which I would say is the same thing as DLR, where some the rumor about him not, be, not playing this upcoming KISS tour was only confirmed because somebody reached out to his accountant slash business manager and said, <laughs> is this true? And he went, no, <laughs> you couldn't get the information anywhere. So it's really, I think you're right. It's Guns N' Roses, ACDC, and David Lee Roth are the three most puzzling artists that we don't know if and when we're getting anything new. And before that, let's face it, uh, Van Halen was the same way, right? I mean, really, you knew nothing what was going on in that camp. I mean, all of a sudden it's, I mean, who heard the rumors? And this was still 2007, so there was the internet, but really who heard the rumors that you'd been hearing off and on for ages that Dave was back in the van- band, right? But, you know, slowly things would creep out. I mean, I'm sure anybody in those, everybody in those camps have to sign non-disclosure forms. What you saw and see here is not going anywhere, you know? Uh, but Van Halen was another one like that, where it's just, they're always working on music. That's all we know. I had heard, I remember hearing very clearly from a guy who was a marketing manager at a label in 2001 that the reunion was happening. I'm wondering if the 2001 Raw Van Halen reunion rumors that I heard were because of that recording session they did in 2000. Possibly. Yeah, so, uh, well, I guess we have to figure out who would be the one person that David Lee Roth vents to, that vents (laughs) to another person that vents to another person, Hmm. and then that's how we're gonna find everything out. Don't you love unraveling mysteries? Isn't there music still recorded with Roth and Van Halen that that's in the vault somewhere? Yes. I mean, there's a book that's coming out very soon, I think, through Permuted Press. I was telling you about this off air, Steve. It's called, I think, Fire in the Canyon. We're going to hopefully have the author on very soon. Mm -hmm. And he had access to 5150 in the 2000s for the last tour with Sammy that era. And then I think the beginning of the reunion with Roth. And there were some photos of the master tapes on the walls and we've always been hearing eh, we don't they don't know what's in the vaults and everything is clearly tape labeled on these things so i don't know if we'll be able to figure out more spoilers from that but it really does look like everything was cataloged they're just playing a little coy hmm. that'd well, be interesting if they had if they had done anything before he left for the 5150 like with roth that would be kind of cool to hear that 
aren't, aren't you of the belief, Steve, that before he left Van Halen, that even most of the songs in 1984 were written before the first album record deal was signed? Well, uh, so much of their output on that first six albums were from those original, original, you know, even, you know, bits and pieces here. I mean, I'm sure we'll easily be corrected, but I think, you know, Panama was written for, you know, was relatively new, not from that original, from that, those legendary demos all right. wait possibly so you know the more keyboard stuff jump which you know eddie started noodling with keyboards in like 83 or whatever 82 and was you know wrote new music was real inspired new music because of that i mean you know what we found with what we saw with different kind of truth is half that album was came you know was some stuff that was yeah uh repurposed uh kind of reimagined if you will you know dave gets involved in it and and um you know was a lot of that stuff was made brand new again even though some of that stuff went back 10 15 years at least at least at least so let's let's shift it back to chuck here chuck Okay. Are you allowed to talk about what interviews or what's next for you? Or are you are you all under NDAs as a big time uh, podcast? <laughs> NDAs? No, I. Yeah. Um, I don't have a lot set up right now. I'm actually leaving. Um, are you guys going to the Rock and Pod thing in Nashville? I wish every year it's like right when I'm out of town on vacation. It's that that thing has really grown. Chris Sisnak uh, and Aaron Camaro, yeah, right? I think started yeah. that couple years ago those guys i love their podcast those guys are great guys and that thing has just grown man this year it's it's i don't think they didn't do it last year i don't think because of covid right yeah i was gonna go last year so it's like yeah it's a year in the making for me i I was really excited last year i was thinking about going and then this year i was like i gotta go and i just wasn't sure about planes so i'm like i'm just gonna drive and so i'm hoping my car's been in the shop for like three and a half months but i'm hoping to get it back today (laughs) and i'm doing this big massive road trip so i'm gonna be off for like two weeks so uh, I'm going to try to set some things up while I'm traveling. And so then I'll come back and hopefully have just like a couple weeks or even months worth of, of guests. And thankfully I interviewed this massive like TV star yesterday. So that's going to be when any publicist goes to my page, they'll see that guy's name as the last guest that I interviewed. So I'm hoping to use that as kind of a springboard. And I just, I find that so ironic that, and that was like one of the easiest guests I've ever gotten, believe it yeah. or not. Like, I just, uh, somebody reached out. I saw that he was on another friend's podcast and I said, that's awesome. And that guy messaged me and said, you know, here you go, you know, send him an email. And so I did. And they got back to me like a week later and said, can you do this date? And I had three interviews this week and I was like, yes, I can. I can uh, squeeze it on the same day. And I made it work. And, uh, so yeah, it's just funny that like David Duchovny will do my show, but like, there's so many, these, you know, more even obscure hairband musicians that totally blow me off. And so I find that funny. <laughs> yeah. So I had the pleasure of interviewing Mr. Duchovny uh, early into the pandemic. I think it's the same publicist uh, initials ET. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She's great. Yeah. And really nice. Really nice. And then Duchovny's so pleasant. Uh, yeah. As long as you talk music, I don't think you veer into the acting, then it changes. But he's I did. Having- I started off with the acting actually, and I wow. and then I veered into the music. And uh, yeah, he was pleasant the whole time. He just seemed really because I was really nervous. I'm like, oh, I hope I don't piss him off. And it was like it was one of the easiest interviews I ever did because he's so you see why he's such a big star because he's so likable and he's so charismatic and so funny. And he's the only one out of 160 some interviews 
he's the only one that's like asking stuff about my wall. Like one of the few that's like, Oh, what do you got up there? Oh, you're interested in uh, Muhammad Ali and star war. I'm like, wow. He's like interested in me. I'm like, what? Like, I'm yeah, boring. Was, Let's talk about you. He'd been to my town. You know, he, he knew stuff, which is really incredible. It's funny what you just said, which is one of the things that I, I find over and over and over again, which is somebody super famous like him. They're like, yeah, sure. I'll do it. And then I can't think of how many times I've been promised Mark Slaughter and then had him pulled on me. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't even been, I, I can't even get a response on that one. I, I've sent several emails and there's a lot of that ilk that will, uh, that I don't want to mention my name, but yeah, I mean, there, or there's some that are, I mean, probably nobody knows who they are except me and, you know, maybe a few hundred or thousand people and they, I, they won't return my calls. What, what do you do? Yeah, you just take, uh, you don't take no for an answer and you follow up and you follow up. And that's how you wonder, wind up with a great podcast like yours. Now, are there any causes or things that we didn't plug that we should about you, Chuck? Uh, no, just if, you, if people could subscribe to my YouTube channel, that's what I'm really trying to push right now. I'm really trying to get a thousand subscribers. I just hit the 500 mark, which uh, may not seem like a lot to some people. I don't know. It, it, I mean, I started with like 10. So it's like, it's taken a while, but it's like, it's growing steady. I'm getting like 50 or 60 new subscribers every month, but I really want to get to that thousand. Cause I think at a thousand, you can sort of monetize it. I mean, yes. it's not it's probably pennies, but it's, it's something. So that, that's kind of my next goal is to get a thousand subscribers on YouTube. But if you want to listen on Spotify or Apple, or I'm on like literally every, all the podcast formats. So I'm going to validate what you just said. If 500 people is a lot or not, think about it. If there was 500 enemies in your life, you, you had to walk around being like, I hope these 500 people aren't there. It's, it's kind of a lot of people. So just sometimes True. you need to rationalize how many 500 is. People right. are like, it only sold 500 tickets to the concert. You're like, that's 500 people. That is a mob of people. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, I, I, I'm very grateful for any subscribers or the fact that anybody wants to listen to my show. And obviously, I know they're not listening for me. They're listening for the guests. But I hope that I steer the conversation in an interesting way so that it's, you know, enjoyable for them. And, and Steve... I'm going to give the floor to you because I've been hogging that spotlight no, that, because I'm I, going solo. You know? I was, I was going to ask, I mean, just as an erstwhile podcaster and, and someone who loves doing interviews, I mean, I just love hearing you guys talk about this conversation, but Chuck, if there was like, it could be from any, you know, it could be music, wrestling, whoever, music movies, but if there's, if you had three people that you would, you know, the three top people that you would, the dream interviews for you, who would they be? That's a great question. I love it. Um, definitely Axl Rose is uh, definitely would be amazing. Or even Izzy Stradlin would be pretty amazing. Yeah. I'm a big Guns N' Roses guy. Th both of those guys. I mean, Slash would be interesting too, but you know, you can hear interviews with him, but Axl and Izzy, I mean, you just don't hear a lot from them. And while Izzy is a little, is probably really introverted. So I don't know how good of an interview, he might not want to talk a lot, but I think Axel, I think if you could get him to open up, I think it'd be an amazing interview. So that's definitely one. Um, Sebastian Bach too, just cause I'm a huge Skid Row fan and God, how, how easy of an interview that would be. Cause he's so entertaining. You just say, <laughs> right. all right, go and just exactly. take <laughs> just... over the interview and it'll be amazing. And then uh, <laughs> probably I was just talking to my girlfriend today, like uh, someone from Seinfeld. I'm a big Seinfeld fan or oh, even here. like Larry David from Curb Your Enthusiasm who Seinfeld creator. I mean, that would be amazing too. 
Well, Sebastian Bach is now doing press. So that one may not be hard to get in the very near future. Oh, is he? Slave to the Grind 30 tour. I'll forward you the press release. uh, Yeah, I I saw that there was a press release. I didn't know he was doing interviews, though. I think as long as you agree not to ask him when there'll be a classic reunion lineup of Skid Row, I think he'll talk to you. I mean, yeah. How do you not get his recent thoughts on that? But I guess if yeah, if he's already answered that question 10 times, again, that's why I do the research because like I knew with David Duchovny, don't ask him if he believes in aliens because he's been <laughs> asked that question a million right. times and he's sick of it. Like I, I saw one interview where he just goes, I'm not going to answer that. He's like, I've answered that 500,000 times. And he's like, well, what, what was the answer? Yes or no? And he's like, it depends. <laughs> yeah. And 90% of the time, those would be the questions I would not, I, I wouldn't ask on my own, you know, it's like, because I know it's tiresome. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm tired of hearing the answer, tired of hearing the question, you know, I yeah. am and I'm interviewing. Right. Exactly. I love the Duchovny interviews he did in the early 2000s on Howard Stern. Those oh. are just unbelievable <laughs> it's not just the how much money you do make kind of thing you actually see the company trying to get a planned dinner or hang out with howard stern and howard stern just keep backing away from it he's like huh. you would never hang out no howard i'm asking you to hang out well <laughs> i just got the vibe that david de after speaking with him he really defies all the things that you would think about a big star like him. He seems like a real person. And part of that has to be that he didn't make it until he was, say, 30, 35 years old. So I find that sometimes the people who made it a little later are just the greatest. But Steve, I, I stole the spotlight again. Back to you. No, I mean, that's I was super curious. Well, I think we got two or three there, right? So, yeah, uh, there's another one, uh, Howard Stern. I'd love to interview him. I'd even love to interview him off air. Just have, if I could have like 20 minutes to pick his brain about what he does and techniques and strategies and tips. Oh my God. I feel like that'd be so valuable. And then you'd have to ask him about loving enough's enough and then denying it years later. Right. (laughs) Does he deny it? He doesn't deny. He just raved about Donnie V just, uh, a few, but he makes fun of it too. He's like, yeah. yeah, Donnie V. He's like, what a great singer this guy is. Of course, now he's probably working in a fast food restaurant or something. Right. Like, he kind of, I mean, I think that's just like his shtick. You know, he's got to be silly and stuff. But no, well, I think he still loves it. Did he I deny love- it? I think that anything that Howard Stern did before 2000, 2008 is kind of that never happened. And 2008 forward, Howard Stern loves train in Maroon 5 more than anyone, it seems. Would that roughly uh, would that roughly coincide with him going to satellite radio? <laughs> part of the satellite radio, part of a lot of the people from the show being gone, like Artie Lang. Oh yeah. Well, also um, he's just older now. Like yeah, I mean, you know, like you. I, I find myself enjoying old old man music now. Like I, I love that kind of like jazz and. I mean, I still love obviously. I still love the hair metal and stuff too, and and even the heavier stuff. I'm still discovering. Uh, I just found out. I just interviewed the guy from Exhorter, and I was like, "How have I never heard of this band? They sound like Pantera." And people say Pantera ripped these guys off, and and but this band is amazing. So I didn't know them. Did you know them, Steve? Exhorter? No. Are you guys? Pan- Do you like Pantera at all? Some of the stuff. It was yeah. a little. 
I was always much more into the more melodic stuff back then and and still now. I mean, I was just going to I was just going to mention and and, you know, you interview a lot of these guys for me. And I say this all the time. I'm far more interested in hearing the new music by my favorite bands. Like I'm a huge Night Ranger fan. They got a new album coming out. I think one of the best albums they ever did was uh, the pre record previous to this, um, whose title I'm spacing on because I might be going through early dementia. But um, <laughs> You know, and so like, I'm more excited to, uh, I love the catalog. It's where, you know, our favorite, it's how our favorite bands got to be where they are now, but right. I'm, I'm way more excited to hear something new from say a cheap trick or even, you know, the last, I was so excited for the last black Sabbath record, right. Or the last, Oz, I want to know what my favorite artists are doing now or what, you know, the newer stuff I've heard the hits a million times, you know, and I love yeah, discovering and stuff I haven't heard yeah. before, but you know, these guys are trying so hard to get noticed with their new music for good reason, because most of the time it's really good. There's still, creative they love doing what they're doing but it's harder than ever i mean there's no there's no rock radio anymore it's such a crowded landscape and everybody is just like play the hits so no i see and that's why you know you're a true music fan because i'm the same way i'm like i want new music like uh, i i want so i've heard this stuff so much and it's good of course but it's like you've heard it a million times you want something new and fresh and a lot of the bands that make new and fresh i mean like donny v we talk about donny v there's another one he's got new music his coming, new right? record is amazing i mean it's yeah. so melodic and uh it's it's poppier um than probably some of the past enough enough stuff but i love it i think it's brilliant yeah that's 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 the thing i mean for those guys i've i'm interviewing any of those guys let's say i got 30 minutes about 24 and a half of them is going to be talking all about their new stuff you know what i mean oh wow because that, I'm they a must love you then well, that, but they, I'm, a they love I'm, a, stuff. I'm a fan but i'm super curious too because so i'll devour that's one of the great things about the time you know one of the great really great things about the times we're living in now is that you know when those guys are out doing stuff there's more places than ever before there are podcasts like yours and old you know and and different blogs and websites and and all this stuff out there where before mm -hmm. you know years ago was like you hoped for maybe you know some press coverage you hoped mm -hmm. i mean i'm older than you guys but uh, you know i'm like yes it's in kerrang you know what i mean and I, you had to no, wait for it or i remember uh, those days like in metal because like i said i started getting into this music in the 90s and so all those rock magazines like circus and rip and all that like rip. you'd hope for some sort of blurb about right. your favorite band and a lot of times like they didn't cover that genre during the 90s at, at all like there'd yeah, be up yeah. there'd be issued by an episode or uh, issue of hit parader and it would there would just be completely all about grunge there was nothing about metal or hair metal yeah, yeah. it's it's still rock and roll to me to to quote some old dude from long island i can't remember so um <laughs> yeah but... billy joel who uh who also is no stranger to bringing people on stage for duets I, you gotta remember in the years when brian johnson was kind of cast out of acdc he went on stage with billy joel to do did he do really? black, and black and you shook me all night long or did, did he just I thought it was just you shook me all night long so billy joel wow. likes acdc uh Vince McMahon supposedly plays ACDC on loop all day on the WWE corporate jet. That I've heard that. <laughs> oh man, to be on that thing, that would be a fun trip. Vince McMahon's an interesting guy. Even if you're, I'm not, like I said, I'm not a huge wrestling fan, but Vince McMahon, man, what just an interesting person, the way he built that thing up and. Oh, completely. Yeah. I mean, what he did and just, and, and the fact that it, it's had such staying power, I mean, you know, Darren's a consummate wrestling fan here and it just, it, 
the fact to me is that it's still so over, just so hugely popular. Yeah, and, I have friends that they still they pay for the uh, pay per views or whatever. Well, that business model actually changed. Not to get too deep on you, WWE did a thing where they made it where if you pay the $10 a month or so for their network, it includes all the pay-per-views in there every month. So oh. it went from being the pay-per-views were 60, bu uh, 60 bucks a piece, 50 bucks a piece, to it's included in the 10 along with the whole library. But the number two wow. company, which has sort of has some roots to Minnesota, I think some of their business dealings, Steve, happened because of Minnesota happenings. Uh, this company's based in Jacksonville. They're like $60 pay-per-view, $50, that kind of a thing. And people are buying it. They're, they're getting six figures of uh, buys per pay-per-view. So who now, are the big like wrestlers right now? Because I, I don't know. I'm just curious if I've even heard of them. Like, who are like the top five like, biggest wrestlers that are wrestling right now? In that company? Chris or just Jericho. in general? Uh, Chris Jericho is He's still gone. He is 50, 51 and still wrestling almost every week. Wow. Uh, and, and he brings a lot of the newer talent in. I guess you could equate it to if Stephen Piercy said, I'm going to do a duets album and we're going to get Greta Van Fleet and we're going to do this and this and this. He maybe a better example would be he's the Carlos Santana supernatural era. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So Jericho's working with a lot of the younger people and making, you know, he's getting a little bit of a shine from them, but at the same time, I guess he's great and he could do whatever he wants. So he's one of the top guys. Uh, who else is big? Um, John Moxley, he used to be named Dean Ambrose in the WWE. And He's a big fan of Kiss Animalized Live, the MTV concert, which I've watched many times. Have you watched that, Steve? Not in a very long time, but I remember that. I think that was an MTV broadcast back yes. in the day. Yeah, it was like 84, 85. Yep. Weird, non-makeup kiss where all the songs are played at like double the speed, which mm. pisses Gene Simmons off. And, and contained one of Gene's best wigs also. So the, yeah. the, oh, the yeah. animalized wig leather headband hold it in place look. <laughs> yeah, because he was filming that Tom Selleck and Kirstie Alley movie that um, Runaway. With the robot spiders or something like that? Yeah, when you shoot a gun, the bullet <laughs> is is smart. It's a smart bullet, and there's robot spiders. And what? I got to see this movie. Chuck's looking at us. I like, haven't seen this fuck? one. When you said Kirstie Alley and Tom Selleck, for some reason I was thinking Three Men and a Baby, and I was like, wait, no. I combined Look Who's Talking with Three Men and a Baby. <laughs> but that's not even the weirdest Gene Simmons movie. Uh do you know which one I'm talking about? It's from like 86, 87, Steve. It stars John Stamos. I think young George Clooney is in it. Yeah, and he's a transvestite, right? Gene Simmons is... is some okay, now you guys are just fucking with me. Is this no, real? no, no, no. <laughs> he's I just, some kind I... of a multi-gender lounge singer bad guy that's trying to get with John Stamos romantically. It's called something like dead or alive or something. Like that. What do you think the pitch meeting was like for that movie? Okay. Hear me out. <laughs> when I think of a beautiful person that can encompass all genders and, and loves, it would be Gene Simmons. Yes. That's what it never, was. never too young to die. And I found yes. that by oh. literally looking up Gene Simmons, transvestite <laughs> and to go full circle. David Duchovny played a transvestite on Twin Peaks, one of his first roles ever. Damn. Did he? Yeah. Like 92. Really progressive. 
And how much of your interview did you spend asking him about that? Uh, oh man, I yeah, I couldn't hit on that. I, if I would have had like an hour, I, that might have made the cut. I mean, I had a list of questions a mile long, and I was like, sure. all right, I just got to take the best ones and squeeze this into twenty five minutes or whatever he gave me. You know, the I got to say, what I learned from talking to Duchovny, I figured this out early into the interview. He didn't start playing guitar until he was like thirty or thirty five. I think no, like fifty, fifty four. 54. Wow. Oh, okay. Well, mm -hmm. I remember hearing that he he got the show creator of Californication to like pay for guitar lessons. Yeah. Good for I asked him about that. That was really smart. And then he because I was like, he's like, yeah, old habits die hard because I wanted I didn't want to pay for it. I'm like, but can't you afford it? <laughs> so genius. Well, that kind of gives hope that whoever our favorite actors are, they might pick up guitar in their 50s and make solo albums. So I guess that dane cook uh solo album will have to happen dane cook whatever happened to him i haven't seen him performing lately Is he, i'm sure he's still touring and stuff but he used to make all those movies he did you know i don't i think his name was fresh in my mind because i was reading about steel panther last night and one oh, time i saw I steel them. panther before they were a major label band and they brought out dane cook on stage and he did smooth up inya and i think he did panama and he was good really yeah. Wow. Or maybe did Running with the Devil, not Panama. Whatever it is, I didn't know he could sing or at least mimic. I didn't know that either. Yeah, I, I've seen Steel Panther like, I don't know, 30 or 40. I feel, I think my girlfriend's so sick of it. She's like, <laughs> really? You have to see them again? Like every time we go to Vegas, they used to play at House of Blues on every Saturday. I think it it used to be free and then it was like 20 bucks. And then, uh, but yeah, I mean, they, every time you see them, it's like a different show. They, they play totally, they play their, their originals, but especially in the earlier days, they do a lot of covers and they'd like change the words up a little. It was, it was so fun. Steve, did you ever see Steel Panther? No, never did. I mean, I've seen them on video and stuff like that. And they're obviously talented, really good. My, I know people are fans and my whole thing is like, and I totally dig parody and totally dig all that stuff, but I've never been a big tribute band guy. I've never been cover you know cover band in a bar fine you know i always and i love cover versions anyway if you're gonna do something different have fun with it but I, you know more i'm gonna go for the real thing you know so but it's the shtick between the guitar player and that's the singer. what i heard yeah yeah that's it's what... like they, it's like it's almost like stand-up and like like i said yeah. every time it's different though they don't do the same jokes i don't know if they make it up or they just they they run it by you know they do the script before each show but almost every time it's different and it's always hilarious yeah, agreed. One of my favorite live bands to see. Well, Chuck, you have been a delight. Do, do people even say delight anymore? Or is that just an Adam Carolla thing that's making fun of other hosts? <laughs> I don't know, but I'll take it. Thank you. I'll take it as yeah. a compliment. Yeah. I love being a delight. You guys have been delightful as well. <laughs> we we aim to delight. Be yeah. sure to be sure to check out the Chuck Shoot podcast because you will not be disappointed. It yeah, is, there's something on there for everybody. I think it really is. So yeah. it's that's kind of the type of podcast I've always aspired to outside of the DLR cast, and I really love because the odds are good I'm going to be even if I'm not sure who the person is, I'm going to find something interesting about that person through your interview. You know, and oh, yeah, that's the goal. The, yeah, I appreciate yeah, it. the The good thing is, is that uh, you know most of these guys I do, I do know or know of. So um, I love your, I, I, I always loved your, your, I can't remember it now, your tagline. It was educate, uh, inform, inspire or something like that. Forgive me for mangling Yeah, I just it. threw that, I just threw that up there because somebody, there was in, I was in some podcast group and somebody said like, what's the point of your podcast? And I was like, 
That's a good question. I was like, maybe I should think about that. And I was like, well, I think I try to educate people, inspire, and uh, God, what is the third one? Inform. Now I'm drawing a blank. Uh, educate, inspire, and uh, entertain. Delight. Of entertain, course, entertain, of course. You gotta be, if it's not entertaining, then I don't want to bore people to death. So it's entertaining. What are we doing here? And sometimes, you know, I lean heavier on the education or entertaining. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's the goal. Like, and sometimes it's the inspiration too, that like, I like hearing these stories. Like it's really inspirational, inspirational to me to hear how hard these guys work to make it to, they don't just, they're not they're just born a rock star. They had to grind and, and, you know, have these cool stories where they're, you know, going through this rough time and then they, and then they make it. And that's like, so cool to me. I love those stories. Right on. And, and so you're on all the podcast providers and we can find you on YouTube. You got a Facebook page. Yep. Uh, you're easy to find. And easy I'm even to on check, TikTok. Check I mean, that's how Damn. I really branched out. I don't, I don't post a lot on there, but I'm on there. You're everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. I try to be. Can't top that. Chuck, we will look forward to your future interviews with uh, CJ snare and uh... he blew me off. Damn it. I, I sent him a message. And he goes, oh, thanks for thinking of me. I, hit me up on this date or something. And I go, okay. And I put yeah. in my calendar like, and I message him and then pff, nothing. So I, I think he had some health issues though recently too. And so they're on tour. So, I mean, you know, it happens. People get busy. But yeah, I think I'll get him on at some point. Whatever it is, we're listening. Thank you for All your right. time. And we'll keep checking in, right? Nothing. Okay, thank no, you. No sign off, Steve. What's, uh, what's that? No sign off. Nothing but yeah. Educate, uh, entertain, and inspire. There you go. There we did. We got it. The delight. <laughs> Thank you. You guys have been Good. delightful. Thanks, Chuck. Take care. All right. Bye bye.